Craig. We are the fucking champs. I, you know what? And, and Craig, I fear that maybe we also just woke up Bryce, who was doing a lot of yawning on here before uh, before we started you know, recording. You know, it's extra extra good is that now we've moved my youngest down into the bedroom next to my office, so Ooh. I probably shouldn't be so loud. But hey, this has never happened before. Nope. But, All the rules go out the window, my man, including the two person podcast. Out the window. Yeah. So this is podcast versus everyone episode. I don't know because Jeff didn't put it. He just said, fuck yeah, we are the champions. This is the title. It's 191, I want to say. 191. I don't care. 191. And with me as usual is Jeff Deucer. And joining me for the first time and on the podcast for the second time is our guy Bryce Hedricks. And guys, they fucking did it. Like the women won the fucking Pac-12 championship. I can't even. I can't even fucking believe it. Like it's. It's. I don't. I know we talked about last week about the path they had and how it was very doable, especially if Stanford lost somewhere along the way, and they did it. They fight. They. They. The first three rounds, frankly, like they. They had two easy wins and one tough win, and then they got to the final and they're playing a team they had already beaten, and they just. Yep. They came out and their stars fucking lit it up and barely missed any shots and it was just fucking it was like a dream final i swear like to to have charlise and bella just fucking ball out and, and take them and and just come up with shot after shot to end ucla runs like like what a what a fucking day like what a tournament what a, what a fucking game what yeah. was wild to me was that they you know, for a while, they kind of struggled a little bit to break down UCLA's defense. UCLA was really getting after it. And then they, you know, Charlize did what she did, uh, did what she did, what she does. Woo. It's that kind of night uh, where, you know, she just, she keeps them in it, right? You know, she's hitting these threes and they're not, it's not like they're wide open, but you know, again, we, we've talked about kind of over and over again, how the other players on the team have, um, you know, consistently stepped up to become a threat. Obviously, Bella was the was the huge one. I'm sure we'll talk a ton about her and her 21 points on 11 shots. But um, you know, other people are threats now too. And so, you know, when when the Cougs run, you know, some of these actions, the other team has to respect the other people on the floor. And then all of a sudden, you know, that gives you know Charlize like a little, just a little, little crack, you know. And she was draining threes left and right. So, um, you know, she was so good, and I just. Like I just could not, uh, like I could not believe the way that we, I don't know. Like I, like I'm still, I'm still sort of blown away by the way they, they handle things, by the way they, 
you know, maintain their composure. It gets into the second half. It's a tight game. Inevitably, they play their best ball in the second half. Um, I think that's both a testament to the players and their mentality, but also, uh, you know, to Cammy's, uh, you know, coaching ability. Um, and then the defense, man, the defense really tightened the screws on UCLA. Um, you know, you just did not hear Charisma's name all that much. And she was, you know, she's been a killer to us over the years. So, yeah, all of that. It was so awesome. Um, I didn't get to watch it live. That was, that was bummer. <laughs> so my way back from Portland and I'm like avoiding everything. And then I get out of the car and I like an idiot glanced down at my phone and my other friend sent me a message that said, go Cougs in this like at four fifteen, And I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, that's good. Right. <laughs> you know, so I sat, <laughs> sat down to watch the game. And then I, you know, about an hour and a half later, I was able to able to celebrate with you guys. Bryce, I imagine you were, uh, I imagine you're doing a special kind of celebrating given your, your close relationship with the team. Yeah. I mean, so I'm at home. I, I watched this game with my dad and, and my girlfriend right there who, you know, knows all the players on the team. Uh, and I get to practice with them every day. I really have been, you know, I tweeted it like the last two years, basically every day of the school year, I've seen all these people. I've been, you know, I've, I've played against them. I've, I've worked with them. I've seen how hard they work. Um, there were some really just special moments there. I mean, I was full on in tears. I, I will not lie. I have, I have zero shame about that. I was I was crying my eyes out for a second there. Um, you know, Bella specifically, like uh, she's such a hard mm. worker. I, I think it gets yeah. so, you know, it, it gets I somewhat underlooked. Like she's an undersized center in, in a lot of by a lot of standards. Yeah. And when she came in, she wasn't really known for her, her skill level. She was kind of a, an athlete who had to be molded. And all those types of players, you know, they're only as good as their work ethic will take them. And Bella is the ultimate example of just, like, how hard she works. I, like I said, I was here over the summer. Um, and, you know, probably about three times a week, Coach Lawyer would text me and be like, hey, can you come help Bella shoot? Can you come help Bella shoot? Can you come play defense against Bella? And or, or and her and Charlize together, you know, they would get pick and roll work in. They would, um, you know, learn different reads. They would do post moves together because Charlize can hoop in the post. And th- just to see her have a big game like this in the biggest moment, really, I, I thought it was incredible because I just I know all the work she's put in, um, and I know just how competitive she is, how clear this whole team is. I mean, every single practice, it really is like. You know, like like we're all friends, and then when practice comes around, all of a sudden we're not, and it's and it's kind of uh, they're very competitive practices. Our our staff is uber competitive. That we all have that chip on our shoulder. You know, it's that WSU chip of uh, we know we're the smaller school. A lot of our recruits were you know overlooked, uh, and we have that. We bring that every day. So to kind of see, and it's bittersweet. You know, not bittersweet. Sorry, it's extra sweet against a team like UCLA, who is the big dogs, who get the big recruits, who are leaving yep. the conference to go join some, you know, fuck-ass Big Ten, whatever. Like, to get that win over them on this huge, you know, just really improbable run, but a, a run I think we all thought they could make. Like, this is, I would say, comfortably, the best team WCU basketball has had in a long time, and probably the best WCU women's basketball team ever. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. And, I don't and, think it's close. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, th- there's a reason they're the first one. Unless, unless you were going to make the case, unless you were going to make the case for one of the last two teams. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. Like that's well, it. It, 
So, I mean, but yeah. we've, we've talked about it all season how they were very clearly better than last year and better than two years yes. ago. Yes. Because yeah. of Tara and Bella and, 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 and Jess and all these players that, that took steps forward and AT coming in and having the skill set that she has, like the, just the, the guts, man. Like she hit that fucking turnaround jumper in the fourth quarter when things are getting dicey. Like how many freshmen have guts to take that shot? Like it's just, like just they're, this, this team's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is, this team is uh, right up there with, especially when they're whole with Charlize right up there with Tony Bennett's second team, like a, a top 20 type uh, team. I, you know, I, I have no doubt if Charlize would have played those four games, they would be looking at hosting right now. Um, I, I still think they have a legitimate argument for that. Um, hosting is if you're a top uh, four seed, uh, if you're a four, uh, top 16 seed, uh, they host. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this team is incredible. And, and Charlize herself, it's not like Charlize has been stagnant and everyone else around her got better. Charlize has gotten better this year. In the last yes. two years, you wouldn't see Charlize get 11 shots, only take 11 shots and and for 23 points. Like, cause she's been so much more a facilitator this year. And so, and it's just, and, and she's, and she's just been more, especially early in the year. And then we've seen it come on late. She's more efficient with her shots, uh, a better three point shooter, which we saw today. Um, just it's, it's incredible, like how good this team is and that they got to show that off. Like that we, we knew how good they were at, uh, throughout the season. They weren't getting ranked because they had all these losses when, when Charlize was gone, but we knew that those losses were close and they would have won them if Charlize was there. And then they just this week got to prove it. They, they, they took out Utah. They took out Colorado. They took out UCLA again, guaranteed tournament teams, teams that were, uh, you know, UCLA and Utah were, uh, in, in the running for hosting and Utah still will. And UCLA might not now. We might have knocked him out of that. Um, Colorado very firmly in, in the, in the field as well. Uh, probably like five or six seed. Uh, and, and just to go through, run through those teams, we've, it's, it's rare we've seen a WC basketball team period. And, uh, have a stretch of wins like that, like to, yep. to win over and over. And that's why we've never seen the men make a run in the tournament. And the, I mean, the women had done it better. They've been to the semifinals a couple times. Um, but just, we had this feeling that with, with the squad we have, like they could make this run and just to do it, uh, on to, to, to do it with their defense and, and with, with, their their efficient offense like it's just it, it's so satisfying like i don't think any of those four games i don't think you guys i would say like i don't think they played their best in any of those four games and they won all four of them like we came away yeah. being like ah oh, they're fucking up again and like they, they, they still they're, they're just so fucking tough they won the games like it's it's yeah. they're incredible like they're it's just i think today incredible. was i think today was pretty strong like and and i think that you know, again, Cammy deserves so much credit for, um, you know, the way that she coaches them and, and the, you know, I'm not, I am not skilled enough to, to notice all the different tactical adjustments, uh, that they are doing to 
you know, to free people up or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to notice, you know, personnel usage. And one thing that was really obvious was, I mean, Ula didn't play a whole lot in this one. And honestly, she, you know, I think, okay. So she played 12 minutes and the muscles are in the first half. Yes. And pretty much whenever she was in, they were getting killed on the boards. So they went kind of, you know, a little bit bigger, um, you know, and were able to really turn that around. The offensive rebounds were really what kept UCLA in the game early. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, these personnel adjustments, it seemed like with the, with the tactical adjustments, they kind of, um, you know, a little more movement off the ball, a little more just kind of screen and slips. I mean, Bryce, you can, you can speak better to that than I can, but you know, where UCLA was really, really, really getting after them in the first half and they just couldn't find any space to pass. Um, it seemed like the, the movement away from the ball increased. Um, I'm sure there was some sort of purposeful strategy behind it and that's how they were able to start finding some people. I know Bella especially, um, was able to, they were able to get her on the move a little bit and, and find some easy buckets for her that way. Yeah, I think we realized that we weren't winning the one-on-one, two-on-two matchups, like pick-and-roll post-ups, that type of stuff, the way we wanted to, the way we sometimes can. Um, And we were pretty quick to adjust. We came in in the second half, and um, the first couple plays that I remember in the second half, a lot of it is kind of a blur, but I remember we did that. um, uh, I, I honestly don't know what to call it. I don't want to give away the women's team's call for it, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, a, of course, of course, it's like a down screen for uh, a, a guard guard down screen. And then the big sets an up screen. And that got Charlize a super open three uh, because both defenders went with Tara to the rim. Charlize was wide open. That was the first, yep. I, I want to say that was the first three in the second half. The first points we scored in the second half. Uh, she was completely wide open. Um, there was another one later where they ran, um, this this uh double pin down um and they would have they had Tara curl off the second one she caught it two defenders went with her and she quickly saw that pass to Bella uh we just really mixed up like added a lot more off ball screening because if they're going to face guard everyone then we're going to get a lot of easy slips to the rim uh and we took advantage of that and they were just I don't want to say UCLA's communication was bad but it just wasn't quick enough to keep up with what we were doing and they didn't adjust well enough. And um, our adjustments being not one step ahead, you know, that's what our staff is great at. That's something we always praise coach E for um, is just that she's so quick to um, make meaningful adjustments. And that's what she did in this and, and shout out, not just to her. I mean, obviously the head coach gets all the credit, but um, you know, at the end uh, you know, I saw all the coaches hugging and, it really warmed my heart because I, I know all of them and, and coach Camille, coach Jason, uh, coach Lori, coach Deb, coach Matt, uh, the video coordinator who is also the head of the practice squad. Like he, uh, does all our, um, coordinating and stuff like to see them all in it. Like everyone plays a part in that. And I think that our, our staff was great at adjusting quickly and finding a way to create offense in a game that was slow and was, you know, grinded out defense first. I think it was notable that we never got beaten transition. Something UCLA is great at. It's not that they're super high paced, but that when they do pit push, you know, a, a, a big's natural instinct if you're getting back on transition defense is to run to the paint and stop a drive. Well, Beswa is really good at beating that because she's a, an absurdly good shooter for a, a center. And yeah. our 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 post Bella and Jess and Ula when she played and Tara when she was on Beswa 
we're all very attuned to, you know, priority one might be to stop charisma driving to the rim, but priority two isn't to just sit at the rim and be extra help. It's to find Bessois and get out to her and make sure she doesn't get a catch and shoot shot. And, you know, Bessois had 11 in the first half. Did she even score in the second half? I She did I, not. And did not. Yep. I think that's just a testament to um, how good our, our staff is, how good our players are at, at taking what the staff says and, and adjusting and, and just executing. Like, like as much as, you know, it is about heart and passion, it's also just about execution. And our, yeah. our team is so good at just doing what, doing the right thing over and over and over, um, running the plays correctly, not messing up defensive assignments. You know, there were probably only three or four like obvious mistakes um, that we made on defense in this whole game. A lot of their, you know, a lot of their shots were just Kiki Rice uh, and Charisma Osborne are both awesome. They're both great players who can hit tough shots. Um, you know, they got a couple fouls that were maybe questionable, and that was a lot of <laughs> that was a lot of their offense. It wasn't really yeah. defensive mistakes, defensive missteps, and, and that's that's really just you know one through five on the court, one through thirteen on the roster. You know, Grace coming in at the last second and making a, you know, it, it'll yeah. get underrated because we were already up four, but helping to get that that jump ball that led to you know the ultimate win just really impressive stuff from everyone when you have depth like that when you have that many people bought in it just yeah we're the champs man and and there's no holes you can poke in it really everything we did from game you know minute 1 against Cal to the end of this game even the hard parts it was still all execution it was hard it was uh them being really 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 well coached um, and it was, it was a blast to watch and it, it feels really special because, you know, the last time WSU won a major conference, anything was in 2002 for football, the year I was born. So literally my whole life, I've never seen <laughs> oh, them win. God. I've never seen no. them win anything, um, <laughs> anything like that. You know, I, I was, I was six for Tony Bennett's last year and that just kind of, Oh my God. <laughs> not to make you guys feel old, but just uh Oh no, no, not to make us feel old, but please continue. But please, like for go. for me, this really is the first <laughs> taste of like excellence that I've had with WSU. Yeah. And for you know, yeah. not to get too broad, but for it to be also so consistent throughout the all the programs, it's just it's a really exciting time, man. I can't I couldn't you know, contain my excitement today. I was just I was bouncing off the walls because I was so Happy for for everyone on the team for Coop Nation. Like it's just it's such a powerful moment with the with the confetti coming down and to get as to see Bella and Charlize like get the love they deserve at the end and uh, it's just all it, it really felt like the stars aligned like everything was perfect for just that hour from four to five everything went the way it was supposed to. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's amazing. Just the the the. Uh, it's it's hard to like to there's only so many opportunities you get to do what they did today um you to cut down the nets to to hold a trophy to be someone named most valuable but what like the there's the preseason tournament sure but those don't really have quite the same weight but when you when you get to this time when you get to march the conference tournament the regional final the final four that's like you you have to go on a run to win any of those and and you have to beat your peers like you have to beat really good teams like and it was so cool like just to see see 
the Cougs cut down the nets to see Cammy wearing that net around her neck, which she's got to do before with Northern Colorado. Like she's done like Cammy, you could tell how she managed this tournament. We saw like Glazier played. She was not playing much in the, throughout the year. We saw some lineups that you didn't see because she just, just in case they went on a run, she had to save some, save some minutes for, from some yeah. of her big, her, her rotation players. And she did. And honestly, against Colorado, that she played this lineup in the start of the second quarter with like Glazier and Jess and they extended the lead because they're actually deeper than they've ever been. And, and while she usually runs a pretty tight, like seven rotation, uh, just to see her mix up the lineups a little bit in the tournament, knowing that they would have to win four games in five days to win it and having it pay off. Because once that second half of, yeah, you know, even this game, she got Lease a few minutes in the first half, and that was it. And honestly, that's what UCLA took the lead, and then Lease came back in, and they went on a run to end the half, and they never trailed again. So she just tried to steal some minutes for her, and it paid off. Charlize, uh, how many times have we got to the end of the season these last two years, and Lease can't hit a shot? Because her legs are dead, because she's playing forty minutes yep. a game. But yep. now we saw a fresh Charlize twice hit over twenty points in this tournament. The other two at least fifteen, shooting well from the outside. Like Cammy manages so well, and, and just the players have like the the improvement of the players. Like it's just crazy how how the enough players have improved that she can do that. Um, you know, you could put Jess in, and she actually is a scoring threat. And she gets, you know, she does enough on defense here and there. like she, cause she's sound at least in what she does. And, and so it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so impressive. Like everything about it, like you said, Bryce is so impressive how they did this and how it was managed. And, and just that they, at, in the end, they had the players to do it. And, uh, they had Charlie's going seven of 11 and Bella going eight and 11, eight of 11. They combined 22 field goal attempts. And combined for uh, tw- forty-four points. Like when you're that's getting pretty good. When you're that's getting that efficient. from from your top two scorers, that's pretty damn good. Like and, and yeah, especially I mean, when you're the team. only thing that really I was gonna say the only thing that really held them down was turnovers. That's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Like and, and fourteen isn't fourteen isn't yeah. like some outlandish number. No, um, but I think UCLA yeah. only had eight. That would have been even worse. It was like honestly, the turnovers were the only reason the game was even as close as it was. And and the offensive rebounding, especially in the first half. I yes, say. that yeah, also. That, like, yeah. so they they were winning the shot volume, and they did win the shot volume. UCLA took sixty shots, and WSU took forty one. Yep. So like, <laughs> but when you're hitting yep. <laughs> twenty two of those shots, you hit seven eleven from three. Because uh, Yo hit a three, Tara hit her only three to kick off the game. Um, that, that was huge. She hit that fucking free throw, man, the pressure you're up three and, and you missed that first one, one. (laughs) the, the intense (laughs) amount of pressure. And she just, she, she reset herself, swish, nothing but net game over. Like, and she did, she did not have a good offensive game. Like she was, let's be honest. She was struggling. 
but she was really good on defense, really good on the glass. Um, you know, really good sort of moving the ball, just couldn't just really was having a tough time, uh, scoring or, or, or even getting off a shot. So yeah, super cool for her to, to step up and, and nail that. Cause I'm, I'm just sitting down on my couch thinking, okay, just get one, just get one. And then she was first, I'm like, oh shit, you know, and then she got the second one. And also, you know, I'm playing this game as I'm watching it. I, you know, I, as I fast forward and through the dead spots, I'm seeing, you know, how much time is left in the recording. And I'm like, does this game go to overtime? Like, it's like looking like the recordings got, I don't know, another 15 or 20 minutes. I'm like, is it overtime? Is it the post game celebration? Like, what is that big long strip there at the end? And yeah, I was, I was very, I was very thankful when she hit the second one. I didn't have to, I didn't have to go through overtime. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you saw it. I'm, I'm pretty sure Craig did, but uh, after the game, they interviewed. Bella and Charlize, and they brought up that that stat, the the difference in shot attempts. And Bella immediately goes, "Uh, don't tell Coachy, hide that stat." And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, uh, oh yeah, and, and oh that's, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna have something to work on on Monday, I'm sure. Well, and that's you know I think too like like that's it, it's easy to think too we could be set up for disappointment in in March now you know in the tournament because sometimes you come off a high like this you feel like your season's over. But our, our staff is very good at, at that uh, compartmentalization and uh, you know quickly taking the good from something, but then also figuring out what we need to work on and moving on from there. I think I think this is the year. I think this is a probably an maybe even an elite eight caliber team if they get the right matchups. Obviously, sure. March, especially yeah. in the women's bracket, is so dependent on the seed line. Um, yeah. But this right. is this is the type of team that I could see making a run and really. Um, just really making something, you know, worth watching it. And, and they're so fun to watch too. Like I was texting someone um, who loves women's basketball, but doesn't get the Pac-12 networks. This is the first WSU game he's watching this year. And he's like, I kind of thought they would be this boring, hard to watch team because they, they play slow and, and they're mostly known for their defense, but no, they're a fun team. They have really fun actions. They take a lot of time off the clock. They're very patient, but they are, not at all boring, I would say. I think they're a no. very, um, they're they're a great team too. For anyone who complains about our our men's team uh, taking too many contested threes, uh, you know this team is a is a great anecdote to that uh, anecdote. Excuse me, but yeah, it's just I I feel like I'm struggling to even put it into words. So sorry to all the podcast yeah. listeners if I'm rambling, <laughs> but I just I well go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say like you you mentioned you know the seed lines. I think you know, maybe it's worthwhile to think about like what line they might end up on um, after this. So Charlie cream, who we sort of are, are very open about deriding most of the time. Cause he doesn't seem, but the last two years he is under projected WSU. He's had them as a, as a bubble team, sort of a last four in kind of team. And they've been safely in the field both times. I think he moved them up to a, what a, Five a seed, six. right? Six? I think. I a think. six seed, six. sorry. Moved him up yep. to a six seed. That's right. After this, uh, which is really crazy to me, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, it's the one thing I'm, I'm sort of encouraged by this year is that, you know, a lot in a lot of years in, in women's basketball, there's like three or four sort of like major heavyweights, like three or four teams on that one seed line, and you don't want to play any of them. Cause they are just, you know, mauling people. Right. 
I think this year it's really just South Carolina. And I don't know that anybody else is like, I mean, Utah was a, was projected as a one seed when we beat them, <laughs> you know, two days ago or three days ago. I mean, you know, it's, I don't think anybody is, um, you know, I don't think anybody is, is much of a gorilla except for South Carolina. I maybe Stanford just cause they're sort of our personal boogeyman. Right. But um, but other than that, you know, I, I think, I think that just sort of lends credence to the idea that this team could very well be primed for a deep run. And and I also think it's good that they're not going right into the tournament this week. I, I think sometimes, you know, you think yes. about men's teams that have made some of these magical runs and, and I know that the, the evidence is not certainly not perfect in one direction or the other, you know, everybody thinks about Oregon state, right. And they end up doing the elite eight after winning the tournament, but or, or Kemba. Um, but yeah, but there's more, there's more evidence of teams. It seems like kind of going on these runs and then, you know, really just sort of like kind of falling on their face um, in their first game. So I, I think the difference with this team is, I think there's two things. I think one not playing for a week and a half, I think is going to be good for them. Um, you know, they got a pretty tight rotation, rest their legs up a little bit, you know, figure out what they want to do. Um, you know, but then also just like, this isn't out of nowhere, right? Like Craig, you and I talked about this, like, and we're realistic. We are realistic people. Like if it was like, it'll take a miracle, we would have said it would take a miracle, but they've played, I mean, they've played with everyone except for Stanford. And when they were not in the same, you know, half of the bracket as Stanford, we were like, yeah, this is not crazy, you know, to think. And it, Honestly, it kind of played out exactly as we, when we gamed it out last week, it kind of played out exactly like that. And, um, you know, they ended up playing UCLA, a team they had already beat. And, you know, I just, I just don't see this team getting overwhelmed by much of anybody. So I, I don't know if the seeding makes more of a difference this year than in the past, other than just, it, it sure would be nice to get out of that first round. Um, and obviously the higher, you know, the higher the seed you are, the easier that matchup. Well, and it would be great to be in uh, the half of the bracket that feeds into the Seattle regional would be good. Yeah, that'd not be to good. get too ahead of ourselves, but just that'd to have good. that have that goal, um, just have that possibility would be great. Uh, but yes. yeah, it's uh, you, you know honestly, if if somehow they are uh, somehow given a host hosting position, a f- number four seed, and then feed into the Seattle regional. That would mean they wouldn't have to leave the state until the final four, <laughs> like, which, which yeah. is like a very like North Carolina Duke men's basketball type of thing that always happens. Yep. Um, always but, happens. Uh, They're always playing yeah. like in Greensboro or some shit. But I, I think, uh, Bryce, you made a point about how Cammy uh, kind of can reset them after big things. and I mean, this week was perfect example of it. They, they knock off the biggest win in school history up until today. They beat a number number three AP team in Utah, and everyone's freaking out. Like everyone's freaking out. Like biggest accomplishment of all time. My goodness. And then they come back and they handle Colorado. Everyone's freaking out. Holy crap! No WSU basketball team has ever made it this far in the Pac ten Pac twelve tournament. Like never happened before. And then they come back, and they beat UCLA. Like they they just recovered from each of those highs every time and 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 they didn't start slow against UCLA they they did they 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 were ready to play 
It did. There was no hangover, it, which you could literally have in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the, it was just, they, they snap back into focus. They have these huge wins and they snap back into focus because they've had so many huge wins. There's so many huge things. This team in the last 10 days, first win at Poly, first win over, uh, a top, a number three team, like first time going to the Pac 12 championship. First time winning the Pac-12 championship. And they're about to have the highest seed they've ever had in the NCAA tournament. Like, it's they, they just do one thing after another, and they, they'll have a chance to do it again in their next game, which is win a tournament game for the first ever time, an NCAA tournament game, which the, it, they're going to be the favorite team for what? Like, the, the actual favorite team for the first time in these three years because they've been in the 8-9 line. Every time. So they're going to be playing, you know, an 11 or 12 or, you know, seed, something like that. And they're going to be favored. And Charlize is going to be the best player on the floor. Like it, it's, it's, it's exciting to think about how that prospect has improved because of what they did this week, what they did in the last two weeks, really. And, and they came back seriously and did this after like one of the most heartbreaking losses. Like, that USC loss was tough. Like they, that was they, yep. they had a 19 point lead in the second half. They had them on the ropes. They lost in double overtime. And they shake it off and they come back and they win four games. Like it's like this is yeah. a, the toughest. Like they're talented and they're tough as fucking hell. Like the toughest team. And you got it. That's the WSU team all the way. Like well, let me t- let me throw this. Yeah, one it's just out. incredible. Let me throw this one out here for you. Is Cami Etheridge the best coach WCU has ever had independent of sport? I mean, I'll say yes, like in my lifetime, uh, you know, considering. I mean, I'm talking ever. I'm not just talking your lifetime. I'm talking ever. It's, it's, I mean, who about- I won't pretend that my knowledge base goes too far back. I'm pretty sure, uh, whoever the coach in, of men's basketball in 1917 was would be real mad at me if I didn't include him in here, but, uh, Jack Friel. <laughs> ja- I was, uh, was going to say, I would just, I would just, I would just guess it was Jack Friel, but you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. especially in terms of, it was either him or bowler. I, I think it's Jack Friel though. <laughs> it's, it's one of the two. It's one of the two. Um, in terms of what they accomplished in Pullman, I, I, I would be shocked if, if we could consistently come up with someone else. I mean, Mark Price probably has an argument. I, I don't know much about football. I don't know how good of a coach he actually was. I, mean, how much was I, th- I think if you just want to say, like, if, if you're t- – if uh, like, Tony Bennett's got to be up there, even though he's here only three years. Or yeah, like, Kelvin um, if you're counting, like, like just coaches. Like, what they did in their career. Yeah, but like Kelvin it, what they the did – so, what the ar- what the argument – so, it wasn't Jack Friel. Jack Friel played after that, so it must yeah, be – it was Fred Bowler. Fred Bowler. Fred Bowler. Fred Bowler. looking at it right now. Jay okay. Fred Bowler. So, so yeah, um, you know, the namesake of Bowler Gymnasium. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – I, I think she's she's got a very strong argument. And, and, Jeff, I think what you're getting at here is what what was – what was the shape of the program in? Because – Tony Bennett, while they had not been very good, they definitely they were a top 100 Kempom team the year before he took over. It was all his players that he, like he had been coaching as the associate head coach uh, for the last three years it, it, that he was set up to take over that team. And yeah, they turned around. They had a great season, and he is an all time great coach. 
Um, but in terms of at WSU, because even if you look at uh, Todd Schulenberger, who's taken, you know, a program to higher heights than anyone, uh, you know, a Final Four, a College Cup, but he took over a program that was humming, and he's done a great job of keeping it going, and he's he's great, and he's an incredible recruiter. Uh, just uh, just that team is stacked all the time, and um, probably one of the best recruiters in 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 Pullman ever. Um, but what Cammy took over, you know, even a lot of people talk about what June had built something and she had, but it was definitely on the downswing when June left. Well, like here's one to, they had peaked under June. Yeah. Well, and when we, when you say they peaked under June, what, like to your recollection, what's the, what's, what was her peak? What was her peak? peak, I think they went 17 and 15. I think they finished around the middle of the conference. Yep. There was one year they went 17 and 17 and finished nine and nine in the conference. The next year it was 17 and 15 finished seven and 11. And then yes, from there it was, it was on the downswing, but it's like, we just, we think of June and it's like, oh yeah, June, you know, sort of restored respectability, which she did. She did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying what the team looked like, what the team looked like when I was in school was awful. Like it was like it Harold was, Rhodes to Jenny Perziquis to Sherry Morell. Like, like it was, it was like 30 point blowouts. It was Paul. It was like Paul Wolf. What was to football? What just 30, like 25, 20, I guess 20 years was of WC women's basketball. Like they had it was a two just year span. They had a two year span. Jenny Perziquis's last year, Sherry Morell's first year where they won four games between the two years. They were not conference games, 53, four and 53 in back to back years combined, like just like unbelievable. So what June did was impressive and important. Like it really was. And, you know, she's, you know, incredible, a good coach, incredible person, better person. Um, just like awesome, awesome. But like what Cammy's doing now is like just unheard of. Like you're talking about a team that barely snuck into the tournament one time in the previous, you know, 30 years or 40 years or whatever. And now you've, you've won a PAC 12 championship and you're going to your third straight tournament. And it's like, I mean, it's just like, all of it is just like, it blows my mind. It does remind me a little bit of Mike price. Um, just in the sense like, so Mike price obviously didn't take over, uh, as, as, you know, as, as poor of a program as, uh, as Cammy did. But at the same time, I, you know, I was in school in 97 when we went to the Rose bowl and won the pack 10 at that time championship. Right. And I remember that being that just feeling completely unbelievable then that this was like, that this was impossible, right? Like, like, I don't know that there was a cougar alive who thought, Oh yeah, someday we're going to win the pack 10 and go to the Rose bowl. Like I, like I am telling you, it was so like, just like beyond what people thought was possible. Um, and that just didn't go for our fans. That went for like every pack 10 fan. Like everybody was like, what was you? That's, they're not going to win nothing. They never win shit, you know? And to have it happen, I just remember that that was like the most incredible thing just because it was so unbelievable. And I know that, you know, football sort of, pulls, uh, you know, pulls, pulls at some different, I guess, heartstrings. I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right 
the right phrase to use, but like, you know, football obviously is just sort of in its own category in terms of fan engagement and interest and things like that. Um, but honestly, this is the only thing I think that can compare to it. You might say Mike price cause he did it twice, right? Like they did it once it kind of fell apart. They had to build it back up again. He did it again. So I, in my mind, Mike price is really the only one that's honestly even close. Um, and I think that the context of the programs matter. I think, you know, Mike price figuring out how to do it with, um, you know, creative recruiting, going after prop 48 guys, um, you know, just figuring out ways to add talent that, you know, ca- actually literally caused the conference to close some of those avenues. Cause they couldn't have, they couldn't have Wazoo winning shit, man. That was not okay. Um, you know, to, to, to sort of change the game in that way and do something that nobody thought was possible. Um, I think, I think Cami is obviously in that same, that same category. And I just, I just think the only difference is just the depths, um, at which the program had been and how impossible it seemed to do really anything with that job. Like it was, again, we talked about June, what June did, we all thought was the most amazing thing we had ever seen because they were just respectable. You know, and when she got fired, it was like, man, are you sure? Are you sure? She's like, <laughs> I don't know, man. She turned us into respectable. You know, she's not, we're not embarrassing anymore. I mean, do you, do you really want to get rid of that? And, and obviously, uh, you know, I mean, this, this Pat Chen guy, I think he knows what he's doing. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. Go, go ahead, Bryce. Bryce. Oh, okay. No, you go. Uh, like uh, for me, it's just, and again, getting to see it every day is, is just a different experience. But I, I just, there's so much they do that's so interesting from like a basketball perspective. But it's also, I mean, they're just, they kill it in the recruiting game constantly. I mean, we're getting, on top of all this, we are getting the highest rate of recruit in WCU women's basketball history next season. Higher than Charlize was. Yeah. Um, yep. And she's really good. Uh, not, not, not that that was surprised anyone. Uh, we're constantly, you know, every year has been a step up in that sense. Uh, of course, disregarding the fact that we got Charlize one year, but for the most part, in terms of how the players we're bringing in are viewed, we've taken a step up every year. Um, this year, uh, you know, AT has been awesome, but also we haven't even seen Kiakoff, who is, I was going to play this year. She was probably going to be, you know, seventh, eighth man, um, I, I think, at least from what I saw from her this summer and uh, what I kind of feel like the staff was leaning towards before her injury in redshirt, I just think there's it, it's so easy to buy the sustainability of this going forward. I, we, we've built a machine, and it's not just Charlize. It's not just Bella. And we'll get another year of both those, which is both those players, which is awesome Incredible. and excellent, and I can't yeah. wait to see it. But it's also beyond them. I, I think if we can hold on to Cami, you're – you're doing something special, like something that will be consistently in the top half of the Pac-12, a team that can consistently make the tournament and compete. And, you know, women's basketball, especially like powerhouses can grow from, from random places, places you don't expect because it's not really a revenue sport where all the top coaches are immediately getting poached. If you could hold on to her, you know, this could be a team that is maybe someday final four good, maybe someday, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's like, I, I just, I just buy the sustainability. I think this is something really special. And, um, I, I really, I, you know, who's to say this is, this is the last time we get to say, fuck yeah, we're champs because I just, yeah. it's hard. It's hard not to bet with this on the, on this talented group and, and 
this coaching staff. We and we say it like almost every week. Like they 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 last year they added well, obviously three years ago they they bring in Charlize and that that was in itself a program changing player that they brought in. Charlize is, I mean, it's Clay Thompson and Charlize at this point. But in terms of impact on the actual program, it's Charlize. Like it, like just she's a program changing player. But then they bring in Tara last year, and Tara struggled to hit shots, but you could see, like, this is a 6-1 player who can bring the ball up the floor, who can defend four positions. Like, it, like this, like, this is like the type of player that if you're ever going to beat Stanford, you need, you need 6-1 players that can play the wing. Like, like, that, that's the type of player you need. And then, and then this year bringing an AT, and then, like you said, Ekhoff, who didn't get to play. Uh, like she just keeps bringing in talent and it, it just feel like, and then, and then you see how they, they're able to cultivate those players. I it, like Bella just, my sister and I were just watching Bella today and we're like, I can't like even last year, but especially like two years ago and three years ago, like, Oh yeah. You just, you would have not have seen you. Like you couldn't even imagine nope. the things that Bella does nope. now. No, nope. like it, it's just how She's so, so nimble and so good at catching and knowing like she had an incredible finish where she caught it with her back to the basket and and pivoted around, knew exactly where she was and laid it in with 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 defenders around her. And she does that so consistently. And she's so uh, she uses her her long arms so effectively in the post to just get the to create these kind of scoop shots and these kind of awkward hook shots that go in like so much more often than they should and and her you know she's gotten better with her free throws and like a lot of things and just it, just to have Bella dominate games like she does now just go on stretches where she's the best player on the floor um is is so impressive and then and you see Tara this year the the jump that she took to to have some like legitimate games where Tara carried us offensively or something, you know, like it's, oh, it, it's, it, and and she is only in her second year, and, and so and then Tahina, what she brought, we were worried about losing a ball handler in Crystal, but then Tahina comes in, and she when she comes off the bench, Lise moves over back over to her position at the two. And they can run her off screens, and and Tahina can run the pick and roll, and even Yo has done a really good job running the pick and roll with Bella. Like she 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 in the last couple games had multiple really clutch like assists to Bella in running the pick and roll, making that little bounce pocket pass. And so like Yo can before it was like if Yo ain't hitting her shot, like if Yo's not getting loose from right. three, like what are you getting from her offensively? But now she she's not hoisting and hoisting and hoisting. She's being more selective and she's able to be more of a uh, of a of a distributor. So you just see like that like the, the each of the players add things. And so when they bring in a talented player, you you believe that they could they're going to get even better. And and it, yeah, like and Bryce, I guess you know you, you said if Cammy stays, and, and that's a genuine worry. One thing I do say often is like. There's not nearly as much money in women's basketball, so like it's it, you don't see the the coaches get poached as often because you're not getting the salary bumps that you get like when uh, Tony went from 
I think he was up to a million here, but then Virginia gave him 1.7 million. Or, you know, Mike Leach guy in football got like a million more than WSU's and say like huge salary they were giving him. Um, so that maybe that helps, but I mean, if you're, if you're a power, if you're another power five team, uh, and, and you're looking for a coach, I mean, if, if you don't look at Cam, you'd be insane. By the way, one, one aside I have to add, Jack Friel is now, now no longer the only, uh, WSU, uh, basketball coach to have a, uh, pack title. Uh, Cammy is now the other one. So Jack Friel was the coach in 1941 when they won the Pacific Coast title. That must have been what I was thinking. Uh, and then now Cammy is it's Cammy and Friel. So what what are they going to name after Cammy? You know, <laughs> we we got to find something to name after Cammy uh, soon because there's no doubt or, we'll, or, uh, or a statue. Yeah, a statue would be great. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, She's, quick shout out. She to- deserves all of it. Quick shout out to to the supporting staff. You guys are talking about Bella. Uh, Lori Kane is mm-hmm. truly a a wonderful developmental coach. One of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and yeah, just just that, like I said, to everyone, I I can sit here naming names all day. Uh, I don't know uh, if if, if uh, equipment manager Cam Cameron Bell listens to this. Uh, he probably does, honestly. And if so, Cam, you're the man. I love you. Congrats on everything. Uh, this was. Uh, this was this was truly a special moment, man, and I was I was very happy to see you jumping around. Yeah, and I do I have to give another shout out to Astera Tahina's aunt, who yeah, my sister that? and I, I mean, my sister and I just started calling Auntie Tahina throughout the because they'd show her with her badass fucking mohawk and her and her Kosovo basketball jersey and her Kosovo flag, like just like going nuts. They went like split screen with with AT was at the line and they had Auntie Tahita like right there. Like it was so great. I mean, it just added a level, another layer of fun and so cool that it surprised her and, and she got to have her family. Like, you know, she had family at the game. Like, so, so very cool. Like this, just this day was just so special in so many ways and so fucking cool. Like this week has been so fucking cool. Like, and, and just to be a Coug and, and like all the shit we go through, and all these, all the shit that the, this team has gone through, and, and and all the shit, you know, obviously Charlize has gone through this year, um, and to, to be able to have this week and this moment, and and, and it, have it to be just full of things that have just never happened before, it's so special and it's so cool and it's so cool to just be following along and and just get to get to experience that. Like me, my sister and I were just like losing our minds and crying in public. And, and my and my favorite beer bar over here, uh, the only two people that were like fully into the game like us at the bar, and and so like it was it was just it's just so cool to have moments like that, and just so appreciative of this 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 team to give us that. It's amazing. Yep, I don't know how much <laughs> more there is to say about that. I think you got it. We're the fucking champs, baby. Yes, we are. Cut down the nets. Oh, so good. Well, so big ass yeah, heavy yeah. trophy. That trophy's going in Bowler Gym forever. Man, it's crazy. Forever. When when uh, when all the water eventually runs out, we will still have that fucking trophy. That's all there is. That really trophy matters. will be sitting there. We will be dying of thirst, and we will make a fucking 
like a, 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 a mecca type trip <laughs> to pull. Yeah, pilgrimage. Thank you to pilgrimage to Pullman. In our dying breath, we will look at that fucking trophy, which will still be sitting there. It'll be dirty and dusty because we haven't been using water to clean anything, but it will be yes. there, and we will It'll enjoy it, and then we will die. It'll Craig be will have saved, amazing. Craig will have saved one final Smirnoff ice to hand to me and say Chuck <laughs> while, he, while, he, while, he, while he passes away in the corner looking at the Pac-12 title uh, trophy. It's incredible. <laughs> Poor I Jeff. can't believe Poor it, man. It's so fucking cool. Also, like, I don't think I've ever been, like, I was nervous today, but I just knew they were going to fucking do it. Like, yeah. I knew they were going to do it. Like, it, it, this team is really so those, badass. It's like, it's almost like a, like a religious moment where you're just like, like, it really felt like, yeah, like, you know what? Like, the storybook ending is for us to win. And sometimes you believe in the stories, man. You got to. This could be a documentary in five years, like whatever. It's just, it was hard. It was hard to not buy that this was, this was the fucking team that was going to do it. Basically from the moment we beat Utah, it just felt like this was inevitable. Yeah. Cause that was, you know, that was a team, you know, we played them without Charlize. We were, we almost beat them without Charlize, but then we, we didn't, we, we, we didn't really play that well against them the second time, but we knew we could beat Colorado. We were just, right there should have beat him in boulder so we knew if we could just get by utah and they did and they honestly they handled them they, utah's ridiculous offense 49 points yeah. they didn't Melissa again peely. you talked nah peely bella bella outplayed peely the fucking pac-12 conference player of the year she killed her she didn't just outplay her she killed her it was incredible utah averages like 80 fucking points a game like, and we, we, we're not big, like, points per game people, but when you, when you take a team that averages 80, like, one of the top scoring teams in the country, and they, they score 49, and they can't fucking do anything against you. Like, this team is so special. And they're not done. They're not done. Not like, done. This is not the end. It's so fucking cool. And most of them are coming back. Like we, these are just players that I feel know. like some of them feel it's like they've been here forever, and a lot of them are coming back. Um, they have, yeah. We'll get them for another year. Hell yeah! Cheers to that. <sighs> yeah, We're, we've now moved on to the second beer. <laughs> my my first beer is a pretty is a big boy. So that was a long I'm time still, ago. Still, 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 still on that one. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I guess I don't know. I is it? It's 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 I it's we're at like fifty minutes about this. Uh, we could talk about it more, but I guess we could take a break. We'll talk about hey the we had a I mean we talk about like on, on the back of that Utah women's win, we just had a very perfect Thursday of basketball, um, and then we we could talk about our near perfect baseball team. Uh, but we'll do that after the break. And we're the fucking champs. And we're back. All right. God damn it, Craig. You made me you made me edit a break again. Come on, man. 
I'll be you, honest, you just, I was a little surprised. I listened to your guys' last do, episode, and there was no break. I, I like, forgot, oh, okay. dude. Yeah. Dude, I have 100 and, 189 way, like episodes of doing it one way, and then one. I can't just break that. I'm not a, I mean, not, I'm not, I'm not that amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, but pretty amazing. But what are we, what are we drinking on this championship fucking Sunday? Yeah. Well, as, uh, as you know, Craig and, and Bryce know, uh, I spent, uh, yesterday and today. So this is, this is Sunday, obviously, uh, spent Saturday, Saturday night and into Sunday in Portland. Uh, my oldest son turned 16 and for his 16th birthday, he wanted to go to Portland for the day to eat food and eat donuts. My God, I have eaten more donuts today than I can possibly imagine. And there's another donut sitting in the kitchen that I'm going to eat after the show. Cause I'm like, well, fuck, I can't let it go to waste. Cause it'll won't taste good in the morning. So anyway, so I, I, I did that and you know, drank some beer and, and, uh, and I, I found this place, uh, called the growler guys, which, um, honestly does not seem like, uh, all that special of a place. It's, it's not downtown. It's kind of off a little bit South, uh, kind of on the waterfront there. It's, it's almost, it's kind of an industrial area. Anyway, uh, found them. They had some really cool cans and this one is uh pylon Pilsner from Duchess ales. Uh, Duchess Ales is in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, brewed and canned by Urban Chestnut Brewing Company in St. Louis, Missouri. For Duchess Ales is what it says on the cans. Uh, yeah, it's really, called really, really, really Contract good. Brewing. There you go. Really, 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 really good Pilsner. Um, it's got uh, almost this kind of citrusy flavor to it, which obviously you don't typically get maybe like kind of lemon uh, flavor to it. Uh, yeah, really, really, really awesome. Found some cool stuff down there in their cooler. So that's what I started with. And now I've moved on to, uh, my, my beer from last week, which was my, my boneyard RPM IPA. So, Hey, I, you inspired me. I picked up a six pack of, of RPM at at good old Fred Meyer, uh, this week. And I, and I do have one of those if I ever finish my, my, uh, my show beer, (laughs) but Bryce, which what is, about you, which my is a friend? Fancy, a fancy, fancy beer. I can't wait to hear about that one. So, Bryce, tell us all about the fancy drink you're drinking. Well, uh, I've uh, I've had two Coronas and four Bud Lights today, so you know, obviously fancy <laughs> there. But currently, I am drinking black tea uh, because that's my that's my podcast drink. I drink black tea. Uh, the last time Jeff had me on uh, without Craig. Which I, I I assumed would disappoint Craig then, and I'm guessing and we and we now. and we brought him back, Jeff. We we brought him back. <laughs> yeah, <after this. laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, you know, the basketball content had to be. Well, really that's all right, good. Jeff. If, Jeff's, if we Jeff's, uh, that. Jeff. Jeff's drink of the show at times has been microwaved coffee. So I, it's that is true. It's, that it's did fine. happen. It's fine, Bryce. That did. I, I do have. I have one alcohol question, Craig. Have you ever drank Trulies? Yes. Okay. That's uh yes, I have also. That's is that just become the go-to in Pullman? That's like the so the party go-to. It's it's surpassed White Claw as the wait, just like straight Trulies, just just truly nothing else, not truly in vodka, just truly, just Trulies. Yeah, I mean sometimes so truly, it's a chaser sometimes. Like if you're taking shots, do a truly after, but for the most part, just straight up truly. Yeah, if if I I think if I'm I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure truly. Is owned by the Boston Beer Company, which is most famous for Samuel Adams. 
Um, and they uh, saturate the market almost like unlike any. But before Bud Lights, Bud started making their seltzers. They de- they definitely saturated. So that 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 makes sense. So they're like typically e- easier to find. I think they're a little cheaper than White Claw. My my contention sure. with them, my contention with them is they are way too sweet compared to White yes. Claw or the Costco one or or even the Bud Light ones. Or, like I think my like the, the San yeah San Juan seltzers San Juan seltzers. But I think the Trulies to me are just uh, a little too sweet. But too I much. could see yeah, if much. I was in college, I probably wouldn't have minded that as much. I didn't mind sweet thing like sweet drinks as much back then. Like which I, which is to say, I'm drinking incredibly. So, Seagrams, uh, oh, Seagrams, like, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, I, I drink like exclusively if it's available. I'll drink Natty Light. If not, then I'll drink any other random light beer. Or if I'm feeling really spicy, I'll get a Modelo or a Corona. But Modelos are kind ooh. of expensive, so ooh. Modelos are. Uh, we we learned when I was at my at, at the resort where my wedding was. Uh, they did not have <laughs> Modelo as part of the all inclusive package. Because they said Modelo is too expensive. So it is one of the pricier Mexican lagers. So you're right there. I, I did enjoy a Modelo after the game today, however. It was yeah. delicious. Unless you're on the Doyle's party bus, then it's pretty cheap too. Yeah. Four bucks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Four <laughs> I don't even need to know what that is, actually. I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, it's a it bus is. that Craig and I take up to Sounders games and they sell us beer on the bus. Oh, that actually sounds much better than what I had assumed. It's it's, it's pretty great. It was one actually. of those uh, those buses you find in Vegas. Uh, those are those are a bit different types of buses. It's uh, not quite that wild. Someday uh, I will go to a Sounders game with y'all, and that'll be that'll be a truly impressive moment. Uh, that'll be a, yes, it will. That'll be. You yes. just have to promise not to root for the Thorns if you do the doubleheader. I sorry, I, I make yeah. no promises. If if you Morgan, can you can if, cheer for Morgan Weaver, it's okay. Dude, I, I always cheer for Morgan Weir, Weaver to score two goals and then lose three to two. That's all. That's yes. all I want in life. That's a good outcome. That's I am. Outcome. I will say, I, I I don't know much about soccer, but I am obviously a big fan of Megan Rapinoe, and I can't help but enjoy watching her play as well. So it's uh, you know, I I I can I will shift my allegiances as need be to fit my own needs. That's that's <laughs> all I'll say about that. Yeah. I mean that's that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> Basketball? All right. That's all right. Incredible nope. awkward silence right there. Come on, host. Let's go, well, host. Je- well, Get with it. Jeff, you're supposed to say what are you drinking, Craig? Come on, I, you're just making me d- just insert. What are like, you drinking, Craig? Like interrupt know, like, with my beer. I'm used. I'm used to like you know two people talk about their drinks and then we move on and now we're that's right. We got what are you drinking, Craig? I saw I saw a picture of it. Well, uh, I pulled out. I saw the symbolism also, and it looked it looked really good. Yeah, so I pulled out a one from the cellar, a, a, a delicious and the only bottle of it I had, and and uh, it is the Holy Mountain seventh anniversary beer. We've we've drank many Holy Mountain beers. It's definitely probably the most drank podcast or beer on the podcast or brewery on the podcast. Um, oh sure, but it's their seventh anniversary beer. And the name of it, which is why I am drinking it, is God is Seven. Now, obviously, if you followed this run in the last week, you would know that our Washington State women's basketball team was the seventh seed of the Pac-12 tournament, and they are now the gods. God is Seven. Uh, I, you know, I pledge allegiance to no god. 
So that you know what, right now, uh, Washington State's women's basketball team, who were number seven, are God to me today. And so this is a a a, a blend of bourbon barrel aged stouts with maple toasted coconut. So they barrel they had some different barrel aged stouts. Uh, the, they were aged for between 12 and 28 months in Kentucky bourbon barrels and they blended them up, threw some toasted coconut on there. Uh, and it is maple toasted coconut, whatever the fuck that means. Um, you think it was with maple, like they burnt maple wood or maybe there was some sort of maple sweet. I don't know. Cause there is some, uh, like a maple sweetness in this. I did mention that I don't like, you know, not a big fan of Truly because it's a sweet, but this is a very, very sweet stout. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It is. It's up there. It's probably something like 13%. Uh, definitely get a lot of the coconut, a lot of the sweetness with maple. Um, it is delicious as Holy Mountain stouts usually are. It's probably a little, it's, it's even, it's a lot sweeter than their like, uh, their, their, their flagship barrel aged stout, Midnight Still. Um, it's very tasty. Uh, God is seven. You cannot find it anywhere. Don't even try. But God is seven, uh, and God and seven is champions of the Pac-12. So uh, let's talk about the next uh, winners of the next Pac-12 tournament, <laughs> the Washington State men's That's basketball right. team. I mean, they've, they've uh, got a higher seed. They've got a higher they, seed. Who is, so maybe is God will be five this week. I don't know. Um, I don't know how he was go God is words or whatever. God, God can be. Yeah, God, God five is the God, yeah, the G A W God, G A W D God, the God, Charlie Sledger Walker. But anyways, we're talking about the men's team now. Um, second best basketball team we got. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so Thursday was, you know, already. Before today, like this has just been an incredible hoops week, just incredible all around. Yep. But Thursday was just another all time. Obviously, the women beat number three Utah, and that leads right in to uh, the men getting up nineteen three on Utah, like just right away, right away. Like yep. the very very next thing that happens is is Yaki and Powell are draining threes, and and and. Uh, um, WSU is up 19 to 3 on UW, which by the way I missed because I couldn't figure out where the fucking will call line is line was. But I made up for it by having amazing seats. Um anyway, thank you to our special friend, friend of the pod. I won't say who. Uh but uh, <laughs> nobody surely nobody will figure that sure, out. Nobody knows. Uh nobody anyways, knows. just kidding. Thanks, John. Um uh but yeah, so uh, that was just to, to the the men to go out and Jeff got to give you props. I said, "Oh God, we're in for another slog of a game with UW playing this fucking zone, and and we slow the down game down anyway. Uh, you know all that stuff. We're going to be getting offensive boards. We're going to be missing shots, but no, no one missed. I don't think anyone missed a shot in this entire game. Either team. Um, <laughs> That's pretty much true." <laughs> yeah, besides Yaki, I think Yaki missed like eight threes. Yeah, uh, that's true. Although I will say I seven. was on the sideline. Seven threes. I, I was sitting right behind the, or standing and sitting right behind the bench, and Miles Rice is a hoot. And I, at one point, 
Yaki missed his three, and I said, I think he's got like 18 boards, but he's like one of 10 from three. And Miles turns around and says, no, he's three of 11. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Miles, for correcting me on the fly. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, like uh, just incredible. 93, 93 points. And just they really had him. But UW made a few runs here and there. But TJ Bamba especially just had an answer and shut the crowd up every single time. It was Bamba in this game is just incredible. And Jeff, I'll let you talk about him because you're the one that predicted he would be a 20 point per game scorer. When <laughs> he was a freshman. That kid we saw I when know. he was a freshman. I know. How about that? Um, no, I mean, look, it's when you say stuff like that, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit prediction, but also a little bit, you know, aspirational, right? I mean, you're just sort of like, yeah, you know, if this guy could, you know, whatever. And I like what I liked about him then was I, I was really, um, I was really in love with his strength and athleticism. Uh, I just kind of saw a guy who, and remember this was, you know, two years ago, we're at the time, you know, we're kind of in the midst of, uh, you know, the NBA stuff where, you know, guys are drawing fouls and they're getting to the line a ton. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of like, man, this is a guy who can, you know, he's got a good first step. Um, you know, he's a pretty explosive athlete. He's a good leaper. He's strong. You know, I'm like, okay, like this is a guy I feel like who could, um, you know, get to the basket enough to, you know, get some, some of those easier shots. And at the time he also was, you know, his freshman year, I mean, he, he shot well enough that you're like, okay, like I you could probably shoot a little, I, I don't know. Like I just kind of thought like, all right, this is a guy who maybe could, you know, put it all together. It, look, 20 points is a lot. So, I mean, maybe I'm, you know, like wrong on that. Cause 20 points is a lot, especially at the pace that we play at, um, you know, maybe, but you know, 16 or 17 point per game score doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Right. So I, I just kind of thought this is a guy who feels like is just kind of scratching the surface. And then, you know, last year he, he took a step up and then this year even took a little bit more of a step up, but seemed to at times, you know, kind of struggle a little bit with the, um, with the higher workload. Uh, he's not a real great passer. Um, and he would get himself into positions where he needed to make a pass and didn't do a great job with that. Um, Finishing through contact was a bit of an issue earlier in the year. You know, all these things we kind of went, ah, you know, okay. So maybe by the time he's a senior, like, you know, he'll, he'll kind of be, be through all this stuff and really ready to take off. I, I think what's been most impressive about him and, you know, just, just sort of like to, to underscore him, he scored 36 points on 20 shots in this game. I mean, that is a really, really, really good offensive performance. I, you know, I just didn't think he would be able to start putting it together this year. And he, his evolution, you know, I mean, sometimes guys, when they, when they start, you know, doing, when they start having higher usage, um, you know, I mean, sometimes it backfires, but also sometimes like they just need those reps to start figuring it out. And it feels like that's where TJ's at. Like he's just, you know, he's gotten enough reps now and seen enough looks and seen enough defenses to be able to be like, okay. And, and just sort of diagnose, right? Like he's still not a great passer. I mean, in, in all of that, all that time he had the ball in his hand, he had two assists, right? Like, Hey, he would have had three you know, when, if Mo did it dive in front and knock the ball out of the, that out is the bounce with his hand. That is true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I'm just like, you know, I mean, he was drawing tons and tons and tons of attention and rather than, you know, kicking it out to somebody else who might be open, 
you know, he was just finishing repeatedly. And I think that's what I love is that, you know, yes, he's a finisher. No, he's not a great passer, but he brings an element to the team that nobody else does. And when you've got, you know, him and Mo and then Justin Powell, um, you know, Powell getting off to a really hot, a hot shooting start, you know, you put those three guys together and they're doing what they're doing. And then they're complimented by Rodman. They're complimented by Yakimovsky. Um, you know, that team is really, really fucking potent on offense. And I just, I love that they have guys now who can beat you. They've, they've got guys who can beat you inside. They got guys who can beat you outside. They, it, it really is sort of a pick your poison offense. And, you know, 1.39 points per possession is not the sort of thing that happens every day. Um, it is the sixth highest mark, uh, since Ken Palm started tracking this stuff like 20 years ago. But, um, but you just, you see the potential of the offense and, and it gets you really excited. I Man, I don't want to think too much ahead to next year, but, um, you know, but it does get you really, really excited for what, um, and for what this team might be in the future. Yeah. I mean, Bomba, I think the most impressive thing for me is is that he went from a one speed player to uh, one of the most potent mm. stop start players. Yeah, I mean I've yep. really seen in Pullman. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this with to Craig uh, in in the Slack chat, and I was like, you know, Bomba's our first real chance at to steal a Ted Lasso term, an ace since CJ, and he's like, yeah, but even CJ didn't get to the rim, and that's you know that's yep. true, and Bomba is. I mean, what was really effective, this stood out to me the most in the Stanford game, but also against UW, is like his ability to put someone on his back and use his strength to, yeah. you know, he had like, like the one that really stands out is when he hit that disgusting double up and under move against Stanford oh, yeah. where he got two guys in the air. Like just being able to change his pace is so, you know, it, it's so impressive for someone like him that's when he wants to, he can get ahead of steam and get all the way to the rim on two steps, you know, on just a really hard drive. But to be able to have that extra facet, he started hitting off the dribble jumpers. Um, you know, I, I definitely buy the shot long-term. I think the passing has taken a jump. He's never going to be like a high-level uh, creator, but I could see him next year being able to take it, take advantage of the advantages he does create with just simple reads. Like, there are a couple, um, it's like I said, simple stuff, but... He gets two feet in the paint. He sees a kick out to the corner. That's great. Or they try and blitz him off the line. He quickly gets the ball out to Mo on a slip. Great. Like, that's all he needs to do. He doesn't need to be Isaac Bonton, Mike Flowers, throwing, like, a ton of crazy pick-and-roll passes. If he can just make a skip pass, a pass to the roll man, and a lob pass, like, all of a sudden, that's, a, you know, a top-five player in the Pac-12 next year. Uh, with with Paquez and, and Dubelis gone, maybe like he can get to that level, um, and I'm not going to yep. bet against a guy on his improvement track too to go from actively negative but kind of interesting as a freshman to up and down as a sophomore to already a star. If you you know if it wasn't for injury stuff, like I, I would say a lot of his shooting issues were probably injury related. I think some of the handle turnover issues might be injury related if he's just struggling to like grip the ball um i i had a hand issue uh in between my junior and senior year i broke my hand i kind of have some feeling of just like when i have big hands it's pretty easy to grab the ball when all of a sudden you can't do that like it's harder to dribble you're kind of dribbling off your palm a little bit i could see maybe that being an excuse for him i don't know 100 percent if that's the reason but 
I just think like all the disparate elements are there and the improvement track is there and he clearly has just an absurd work ethic. Um, he's a leader for the team. I, I think he could be the type of guy who goes, you know, on a Charlize Bella hot streak uh, through the Pac-12 tournament and then is is really a guy next season especially who is ready to take us to the promised land in March. Well, he changes the geometry of the defense, right? Like the the ability to have a guy who the you know the opponents have to make sure can't get into the lane, you know, just changes what teams are trying to do to stop you. And again, this is a thing that teams d- didn't really have to contend with on a consistent basis earlier in the year. And all of a sudden now this is like this like okay, so Bryce, you tell me, like if you're scouting WSU right now, like who's who's the first guy you're worrying about? Is it TJ? Is it Mo? Is it Powell? Because he kind of, you know, just kind of makes things go, and then you know is, is opportunistic with his shots. Like, like who are you? Who are you scouting for? It's definitely the that TJ Mo combo, and I, that probably sounds like a like a cop out. What I'm saying is specifically in our offense, we run a made like a lot of dribble handoffs, and we've realized how hard that is to guard because you know dribble handoffs you can come 100 miles an hour, but when you just kind of when you're catching and you have a jab, you're not just like dribbling into it like with a pick and roll. You're catching behind the screen, and the defense kind of has to pre-shift to you. Mo's gravity, you know, as as a pop guy, he doesn't really he's not a great roll man, but he can really pop, and he has that post gravity. Uh, and you're not going to let him get a wide open path to the basket. You have to be attuned to him. Combined with TJ's ability to really get downhill. It's just it's something that's really hard to to guard. We've seen teams try to hard hedge, and that was successful early in the season. And then TJ adjusted. Um, you know, a team like Stanford tried to switch, and TJ laughed in their face because he just beat every single switch every single time. You can't put Maxime Reynaud on TJ Bamba. It's just not going to work. Um, you know, if teams drop with the way TJ has really gotten to be able to just keep someone on his back again, get into that floater, get into a little step back. That's a good shot for our offense. You know, especially we play a pretty low possession game. Um, It's nice to be able to rely on someone to hit those kind of tough shots in the mid range area. He can absolutely do that. I would say, you know, if, if I'm an opposing coach, it's really trying to figure out how to guard that specific action and doing it, knowing that, you have three guys who you can't just leave open on the perimeter is extra hard. Uh, I, I think as as we get to the Pac-12 tournament, you know, it's hard to think of teams that can really can really disrupt that consistently. It's like you know UCLA, even Arizona. I think is going to struggle to disrupt that at, at this point. Um, however, they decide to guard it. Um, it's just it, it's a really deadly kind of two man game. And we've drawn it up in a way that, that accentuates both those players' strengths. And I think that's uh, it, it's a testament to our staff and also just how impressive um, TJ and Mo's improvements have been. Yeah, and I, and I think we, we definitely will get into their, their path in the, in, in, the, in the conference tournament here. But at first, we have to talk about the utter disrespect for Bra- Braxton Mia in this game. Uh, like TJ, <laughs> TJ repeatedly went at him at the rim and finished over him, like repeatedly. And then, yeah, Muhammad Gay just did not care that he was standing there waiting for him on a fast break and just went up. And I, 
that is maybe the best dunk I've ever seen live in my entire life. Like that, and like it, I've just absolutely lost my mind. And that, and uh, Twitter lost its mind. Uh, just everyone, like it, just, it, it felt like well, like a fucking bomb dropped on the arena. Like everyone was just like, "What the fuck is going on? Like what just happened?" Because you see Mo running down. And you see DJ give it up. It's like, uh, what's Mo going to do here? And Mo's like, I'm going to take off from like 10 feet away from the basket and duck it on this fucker who's probably been talking shit to me the whole game. And he did. And Braxton Mia maybe gave him a little forearm, which helped him fall on his back, which he's obviously having trouble with right now, which was frustrating. But that yeah, dunk was, it was a little. It was a mildly dirty undercut. Like, not like blatantly dirty, but just subtle. like. Like, eh, that was, eh, come on. I, w- I was, I was, I was down, I was, I was down there right next to Mo. And I'll tell you, he was not particularly happy about it. Um, no, he, uh, he looked like yeah. he was in a fair amount of pain, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was so, cause that dunk not only, not only was just so insane and, and so disrespectful, but it was, it was just, it, the game was basically over at that point. I think yes. it, I think with the free throw he pushed it up to fifteen, and there was just like four, yeah. three or four minutes left. I don't know. Like it was yeah. that was like he called Gabe right there. He's yeah, like, no, it was over. Like fans were streaming out of the stadium, like streaming out of the arena. Like it was, it was, it was so awesome. Like just, uh, just to have dudes like that on the team who, like in the past, like UW would always be the more athletic team with the more athletic guys. And we would, and if we did beat them, like in the Bennett years, it was because we were just more disciplined and, and, and more experienced or whatever. But just to have dudes that can just go up and dunk over their best shot blocker is pretty fucking awesome. And that was super fun. And it's super fun to beat the Huskies six out of eight times. Um, and just beat them over and over again in their own place it is, uh, it's a good time. Good time in the basketball rivalry uh, with all of the all of the schools in the Pacific Northwest, really, but especially um, that Kyle Smith uh, versus UW number is looking really sweet right now. Yeah, I, I want to take well, yeah. a quick second to uh, shout out our staff and some of the stuff they did in this game. I, I really think um, they solved the zone pretty early, um, treating the baseline. So, so UW zone extends out pretty far, right? And uh, the the way Gay is as a high post scorer, you cannot just leave your big back into the paint. Like that's how we beat them last year. That's a lot of what helped us to win in the first game against them. Was just they started, you know, at the first half of our last game against them. They're like, oh, we'll let Mo catch and shoot in the high post, and he made like four of those. And they're like, okay, we have to change things up. And we recognized that they would come into this game with that change. And instead of treating the high post like how you would normally treat a high post in the zone where it's like that's the playmaking hub, we instead use the baseline as that kind of playmaking hub. We would get uh, DJ Rodman touches on like the baseline, which is where their zone is really soft because it's so extended. And from there, he would make plays. We got, a, I think, like the first two threes I saw because the first little bit of the game was cut off. The first two threes I saw were like, down to DJ and he made like a quick pass to Andre and Justin Powell at the top of the key and they knocked those shots down. Uh, just a really smart little adjustment that is it's zones make it really easy to praise a coach because it's really easy to see 
you know, zones are, are flatter. The reads are just flatter. It's like, um, like a no middle, you know, it's just, it, it just flattens reads and it makes it, you know, when a coach does something, it's more noticeable. But I, I think it was a really brilliant adjustment from our staff to recognize that weakness and, and use that as a playmaking hub. And eventually we forced UW basically out of their zone. They spent a lot of yeah, the second half just that was in straight up man, which is great for us because Mia is an awful pick and roll defender. He is, he is the classic good zone big where he has zero feel for how to do anything but stand in the middle of the paint and block shots. And as soon as we, he was tasked with doing other things, it took us a second to adjust. But once we started to get into our normal offense against their man, it was, it was uh, basically game over. That, yeah, that's, that's really where TJ took off in the second half when they were running all that man. And, uh, you know, they were running those they were pick and rolls. He was going at, they couldn't stay. Yeah. Uh, he was at Jamal Bay could not stay in front of him to save his life. Um, unless he was like on the ground and TJ was shooting over his head or something. Um, it was, it was just, uh, TJ really ate up their attempt at man. <laughs> like pretty, it was, it was really fun to watch. Uh, just to watch a dude just every time they get like two baskets in a row, TJ just go down and score. And like, nope, sorry, you're still down seven. Like, it's, it's, this ain't happening. This ain't happening for you guys tonight. Um, and yeah, just to it, watch you, it felt like, I was gonna say, it felt like one of those games, like, I don't know, like we've had so many games where just, you know, random dude goes off and boy, now we're in trouble. And, you know, Badjama hits a couple of threes. Jamal Bay hits some shots. Like, Jamal Bay is a pretty terrible offensive player. And he hit some shots and it's like, no, nah, it just, it, it just, it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. It, it mattered not. It's a good place to be. Yeah. So now, a, now, no, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you I have more to say. Cause I was going to, it's, it's nice that, uh, that <laughs> UW is such a mess. It's kind of fun. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person, I don't hate UW basketball the way I hate UW football because usually a ton of like Pacific Northwest guys go there and, you know, for a while, those were dudes I hooped against. And, you know, I, I, I always have a love for, like, the high school kids in our area. But when I don't have to hate them and they're this bad in, like, a really boring and not fun way, it's just – it's so it's so satisfying to just see them be so poorly managed. Uh, UW really is, uh, you know, it probably should be a top-ten job in college basketball. Uh, it should be a team that's constantly in the tournament. Um, it really should not be as hard as Mike Hopkins and Lorenzo Romar have made it look, but uh, it sure is fun when it does look that hard. Yeah, and it's it's really fun after just losing to WSU is always the ultimate sin, and how they just lose their their Twitter and their media just falls apart when when they when they lose to us, which is also it's all, uh, an added layer of fun after beating UW at, at Heckad is is then to just go on Twitter and watch how. All the all the Husky fans are losing their minds, but yeah, with, with that win, d- amazingly, WCU is over five hundred, and they are fish over five hundred in conference play, and somehow, incredibly, this team that started zero and three at conference was five and nine is the fifth seed in the in the Pac twelve tournament, uh, thanks to some like just everything that needed to break went break broke for WSU, uh, so they're sitting their fifth seed. Uh, first round playing Cal, who they've beaten twice. Really didn't play all that well to beat them the second time. Handled them pretty easily in Pullman. Um, and 
if they win that, they play Oregon, who they beat very recently. So you're looking at those two games. That sets up a pretty good start to the conference tournament, and it, it sets you up for the opportunity to go deep. And that, it was the same thing we talked about the women. The, the matchups that they got were as good as you could get for the seven seed, honestly. And, and so it was, it, it was good matchups. And that's what it's all about in these tournaments. And so they, t- to me, they have good matchups in their first two games. And of course, most likely UCLA in that third game. Um, but how are we feeling about, uh, the men's chances to pull off what the women just did? And of course, they have to do that to go to the NCAA tournament. They are not yeah. there. No, there is no way they are playing themselves into an at-large bid. Now they probably are in an, in in the NIT at this point, um, which is pretty cool in itself. The fact where they were and how they got there. Um, but wh- how are we feeling about their chances to to next Sunday or next Saturday or whatever? We're sitting here and we're talking about another fucking champion. I mean, I don't know how small the chance is. Like, it's it's probably not great. But I love the fact that they went up to number five. You know, Cal Cal has Cal's season is over and has been for weeks. Um, they're they're not they're they're only playing sort of like mildly hard. And you know, I mean, obviously the game against them that we saw was you know a little bit of a struggle. But like, you know, come on. Like, like that game was never, never really in doubt. And so this game, I'm sure, uh, will be a lot like that. And then you play Oregon, who's, you know, a team you just beat, you know, you feel good about that one. And then, you know, probably UCLA and, you know, I, there were a few people who, um, or, or at least a couple of people that I heard, um, one person who, you know, jumped on the comments of, of the newsletter podcast for everyone.substack.com. Uh, and said, maybe we want to be the six seed, right? Cause if you're on the six seed, you know, so if we, if we were the six seed, we'd be looking at Oregon state in the first round, USC in the second round, and then potentially Arizona, you know, obviously a team that we've already beaten. Um, you know, but I, I just don't like, I don't subscribe too much to looking that far ahead. You know, I'd rather, you know, first couple of matchups, you know, if I feel really good about those first couple of matchups, then great. Um, I like our matchups against both Cal and Oregon better than, you know, Oregon state and USC. I don't think it's much of a difference. I, I think it's a pretty small difference. Um, I think certainly we could beat Oregon state and USC just as easily. We could beat you know, Cal and Oregon, but, um, you know, I, I just, I like that we've put ourselves in a position to, um, you know, should be able to pretty easily grab at least one win in the PAC 12 tournament, maybe two, and then, you know, you, you roll the dice with UCLA again. And if you can beat UCLA, you know, then you're probably facing Arizona, but you don't know that for sure. I mean, Arizona's, you know, they've, they've certainly crapped themselves at times this year. So, you know, you never really know. And I mean, I, I don't know what percentage is. I definitely wouldn't give it as high of a, of a, of a likelihood as the women, like the women. I was like, yeah, I could totally see this. The men, eh, you know, would I be, I'd be over the moon if it happened. Would I be shocked? I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be, be pretty darn surprised, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely like, I mean, obviously the path is hard. We're a good, not great team. And that's kind of how it goes. And, um, but I will say, I, I think we're hot at the right times and it's not just, it's not just that we played the easy part of our schedule. I think that's, that, that definitely helps, but Going six and zero against any stretch in the Pac twelve is pretty impressive. 
Um, and I think there's yep. a lot of evidence that, uh, our, you know, we're running our schemes to the best uh, that we can at this point. I think our defense is at its best at this point. Um, I'm, I'm personally happy to be avoiding like Stanford again. Like that would have sucked if we would have got uh, down to the, to the uh, seven seed. Um, so to be where we're at, I think, you know, Cal should be a, a pretty easy win. I think with us probably more fully engaged, knowing that this is kind of win or, or go home, I think we'll take care of Cal. Oregon, I like our matchup against. I know we lost them early in the year, and we only beat them by um, three. Did we beat them by three? Yeah, um, three. It was three. Yeah. And uh, Dana Altman drew up that awful flare play at the at the very end, which just drove me nuts. Like, as a Coug fan, it made me happy, but just in general, it was like, come on, that is the most obvious thing you could ever do. But I, I like our matchup with them. I think, uh, you know, hit a few more shots. I, I, I think, I feel like we were in good control of that Oregon game, despite it being close in the end. I I, I think that um, our the way we play with TJ and, and Mo, if they're really clicking, that's tough for someone like Infoli Dante to guard. He's just too slow. He's just a little too lumbering. Um, for for how quick those two are, um, if we can just kind of keep their their three point shooters who are super hit or miss, if we could just not have them go off for a big game and, and our guys can open shots, I really like our matchup against them. And then UCLA, I know we got housed in Pauly, uh, but we should have beat them here. And I think there is something to be said for um, us having a good defensive matchup against them. I think. You know, TJ Bomba is about as good as anyone on the, in the conference on Tiger Campbell. I'm guessing Jalen Clark won't be back. It seems like I, I don't know what the reporting exactly yeah, was. No, he's not. He is not. That is that is bad. Yeah, he so, got hurt. He's then. not coming back. Which, you know, I, I hate to talk about in such an analytical sense. I hope he's doing all right. But, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of helping us win, I think that's great for us. He's their best option on TJ without him. Um, they're kind of going to be scrapping for guys who can, uh, you know, Amari Bailey is probably not strong enough for TJ. Um, and he's super, you know, unproven at a certain point. I mean, they have Jaime Hawkes, they have Tiger Campbell. I, I, I think, you know, I still think Mo can, abo- uh, can abuse Adam Bona. Um, Bona got the best of him in their last meeting, but I still like that matchup for us. I mean, UCLA is clearly the better team, but I, I, I think they're far from unbeatable. And then it comes to Arizona. I mean, I would argue we probably should have swept Arizona this year if, it, if a couple if a couple calls could have went our way in, in that one at home. Um, I, I, it's not likely, but this is the best chance I think we've had at this since I've really started paying attention to the team, at least since Clay was here. You know, for what that's worth, this is the best chance we'll have at a uh, you know true WSU tournament run because. The talent is there. The coaching is there. The path is there. It's just kind of, will it all come together? It's hard to say. But uh, I, I like our, our matchups against every team, at least in the idea that we can stick with the top teams and, and beat the ones who were better than. And like I said earlier, I think that regardless of what happens this week, I mean, it's, losing to Cal might d- do some serious damage. But it, you take care of Cal – I, th- you know, I, I think NIT is very likely and even hosting an NIT game in Pullman is, 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 there's a good chance of that. So the, this is uh, not, not the end for this team. Um, 
and it's 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 incredible what they've done down the stretch. We we looked at this this uh, this stretch all year and said, hey, this is the one kind of stretch of winnable games that they have, and they've they've won them all, and and now they're fi- over five hundred, and they're in the position to play in the postseason, and and yeah, they're they're playing a lot of people. Uh, probably don't want to play WSU right now, and and that's pretty cool. And yeah, they're talented. Uh, we got guys that are, are clicking at the right time, and hopefully, you know, we get get past get past Cal, get past Oregon, and see what happens. You know, maybe someone beats UCLA. <laughs> we don't even have to play them. Who knows? You know, like so. Uh, yeah, that's that's what's fun about tournaments. So, yeah, another tournament. You know, and, and nice. Thankfully, a week off for the women. So they can enjoy what they've accomplished. Um, uh, finally, we'll touch on real quick. The baseball team is ten and one. They swept. Uh, what is it? Southern Indiana uh, this week. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was something like that. I, I was busy today. I didn't really. Yeah. It was busy I know this weekend. Villanova. That's that's all I know. Yes, I have a I have a friend that went to Villanova, so I definitely knew that one. Southern Indiana nailed it. Uh, swept them pretty easily. Ten and one. Um, off to a great start. Keep it going. Let's let's have another team that gets to the tournament. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, anything else, guys? I I think you know, uh, Jeff. People should subscribe to our Substack, right? And how do they do yes. that? Well, visit podcast vs everyone.substack.com uh you know just kind of plop in your email real quick and you'll be subscribed it's free it's free and when uh when we have a new podcast that gets delivered straight to your email inbox you can certainly keep you know doing it on your podcast service if that's the way you like it uh that's not going to change but uh, the newsletter comes straight to your inbox as well as any writing that I do and maybe also any writing that Craig does. What are you talking about? I've never maybe. written anything in my life. Maybe. I don't even know what you're talking about. Maybe. I'm not even literate. That's why I do yeah, I was, was going to say, can Craig read? I, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think he can. Yeah. Uh, does so anyone yeah, really subscribe know? Subscribe because, you know, SB Nation is, is no longer, you know, like supporting us. So we are we are off on our own now. So uh, so join us, join us with that. Yeah. yeah, Bryce. Anything you want to plug? You do so many things. Uh, I don't know. subscribe to their uh, Substack. I do. It's a uh, it's a good time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I if if you're interested in, in purely basketball stuff, I um I uh, have a NBA draft podcast, uh, Upside Swings. You can listen to that if you're really interested. Um, I have been writing for a. Uh, a newsletter knocking on hardwood that, that's been kind of fun uh i've been doing a lot of like previews and stuff so yeah you can just follow me on twitter and, and go from there uh but all my all my the stuff that's closest to my heart is at kook center so just uh stay tuned on there yes and with that i will say as a pac-12 champion i will say go fucking kooks go fucking kooks bryce Go fucking coos, Jeff. Black Lives Matter. Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter, Craig. And and get vaccinated. Yes, they do. Protect trans get vaccinated. Kids. Protect trans Protect kids. Trans Thank kids. you. Absolutely, and support a union. 
y'all. Absolutely. Always. Support you Support books. Unit. Books yeah. are cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, read yeah books, books are good too. Read band books. Oh yeah, we could go all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is why we need to. <laughs> <laughs>